0: This is a
1: Radio.com original.
0: When you're a Discovery Channel and you launch Velocity, and this just happened recently, you know, a year and a half ago when we came back from Motortrend, is they like, they start they start evaluating their brands, and that's what everybody's doing. It's like, evaluate, like who's got brand equity? And the damn thing overhaul them won't go away. It's like, it's, just like, it's like herpes, like what the hell? It just it keeps on coming back.
1: It's time for another Talking About Cars podcast, that's where everybody has a car story. I'm Randy Cardoon, and right there, the man, the legend, Hot Rod, Bob Beck. Great show today. Well, we always have something interesting, but today we go behind the scenes. We go for the guy that is mixing everything up together. He is responsible for so much car TV and other kinds of TV. But the top
2: car TV show.
1: Well, Well, and he's also done other things, which we're going to talk about, but he is called, and I saw this quote. I don't know how true it is, but looking at his resume, it probably is. He is the king of car TV. Oh, good. Car TV. His name, Bud Brutzman. He is responsible for a lot of shows. As you can imagine, things like, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but things like overhauling, he and Chip Mm -hmm. Foose, yeah, now, how long has that show been going on?
2: Oh, and uh, it's in its second
1: iteration. Yeah, they resurrected it, and it's also in its uh, second time around. That's
2: right. That's in right. Two.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: It's make me look lap by iteration. What is wrong with you today? It's a car show. It's on its second lap. Sansa, if you would have said that, I would have known exactly what you were talking about. Well, I was trying to show some education here, and you know, I have very little, (laughs) so you know. (laughs) We're going to bring Bud on, and in fact, he's going to be joining us here in a little bit, and we're going
1: to talk about not only what Bud's been doing with car TV, he has a certain affinity for a certain kind of model of car. It's actually one Bob is very familiar with. We will also discuss some interesting sidelight stuff that uh, Bud does as well with his production company we will also come up with our awkward moment we may have an awkward moment with bud today we do yeah for this interview we may have an awkward moment we always have those well that's true we we, (laughs) we are the kings of awkward moments yes but this is a almost planned awkward moment oh see this is is kind of something that has happened on the show that has never ever ever happened on this show and it is happening in this show talking about cars in this
2: episode is that kind of like the the episode of uh overhauling where chris jacobs got decked yeah well nobody's gonna get decked oh okay
1: this is gonna be a great show i know all we have to do is bring the man of the hour bud brutzman on the show that'd be great Bud. Uh, are you ready i i don't know if i want to do the fanfare again through my nose that that seems to be not classy enough for a
2: guy of bud's stature No. Now, can you make your armpits sing enough? Okay. Ready?
1: (laughs) And there he is, ladies and gentlemen, Bud Rutzman joining us from the dark Um, inner sanctum cave. It's my bat cave. I mean, I know
0: you want light on me, but I wear black all the time, and I'll explain that. And this is my bat cave. It's all black. My garage is black. My cars are black. Everything's black.
1: First, we have to know where it all started for you, bud. Was there a family member that got you involved with cars? What do you remember that kind of made cars right off the top something interesting to you? I luckily
0: grew up in this in the 70s and the 80s, right? And so for any of us who grew up in that in that era, right, you you have all these muscle cars just laying around for two or three hundred dollars, right? So my dad had, you know, 69 Mustangs, 70 Mustangs. There's a fastback over there because they're just junk cars. They're 20 year old cars, and nobody cares, right? Just sitting there, mm-hmm. you could pick them up for nothing. So uh, he was always collecting muscle cars. My brother was in, in shop class. Um, I have far surpassed them as far as you know the jackass hood of my car collections. But uh, <laughs> my brother was always working on cars in shop class, and my dad would race late models at a, at a local uh, speedway. And so you know, cars. I'm not, you know. I just think it was the right timing, right? Because you, you, I grew up and these these muscle cars were out there. The movies are really cool, and you could watch them on TV. And then all of a sudden, you see the one. And there's there's a '68 Shelby, and there's a really cool car there, and that's a Challenger. And like, I was never the slug bug kind of guy, even though I did like punching my brother. But it was really <laughs> more like. I think we play, if I remember correctly, you know, driving across country or whatever, you remember you played dibs or whatever, and you like, you see a cool muscle car and you, you just, you mentally, I do it for real now, but you mentally just collect them like, oh, that that's my car. I want that car.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you mentally collect them. So I was always attracted to them. And, and you got to know that, you know, 69, 70, 70, 71, in my opinion, is just kind of the heyday of design and muscle and everything. Those years, we were all we're still lucky to have that year, that four or five years where their pony cars were just amazing. After 71, they all
1: dropped off and became shitty, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> most well, of
0: them. Not
1: all, not late, all. Late 70s, I agree. Late 70s going into the 80s, it kind of took a you know, yeah, big well, dive. I say mid-70s. I, I, you,
0: you can try to point out a 74 car to me that's really bitching, and I, I'll argue with you.
1: Yeah, it started getting really bad about 74, because everybody started, it was basically like the uh, blowfish, that everything started getting bigger, 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 bigger. And then in 77, they decided, oh, let's just shrink it a little bit where it's respectable again. And by 80,
2: it was back to being huge. I don't know what the uh, car industry does that for. Well, you were fighting the emissions and the uh, crash safety standards.
0: Well, you're also finding the gas shortage. I mean, I know in yep. 73, Ford made a massive of a correction. And I have seen some Mustang 2s, you know, 70, 70, 73, 74, 75 Mustang 2s that are pretty cool. I mean, there were more design elements and graphic elements, and they're little, you know, kind of a glorified panel. But lately, I have seen a couple of those get, you know, dredged out and kind of look at. You're like, okay, that's. I've seen a couple of cool pro-touring Mustang 2s out there, but there's not that many. Even the, even the 71 Mustang, you're like, scratch your head. There's a, there's a cool... Like a Boss 429 71 that I've seen, but really for me, 70 was the last year. Mm. I mean, like you look at 70 Mustang, was like, holy crap. And then just get kind of bigger and longer with 70, 71, 72, 73, and then just shit the bet at 74.
2: Well, like, well, no, it's a they went to the net standard on horsepower. So, all oh, the horsepower is reduced significantly. The emission standards, the catalytic converters, the crash bumpers, the side door guard beams, and everything seemed to be against the muscle car or the pony car at the time and you know the other thing too is is a lot of people don't refer to them as pony cars it's just people in our age group that do everyone else says they're muscle cars and they really weren't they were pony cars
0: Mm -hmm. yeah the pony car wars were were real obviously and you know a lot of it was iacocca and shelby and and there's some late late covers to it but yeah it was definitely the pony car
1: wars for sure i'm getting a mustang vibe here are you kind of a mustang guy I have a bunch of them.
0: I do. I definitely have a bunch of them. Yeah.
1: I I, I definitely. Yeah. I'm not a
0: Mopar guy. Uh, I'm a little little too cool for that. But I, I'm definitely a Mustang guy. I have a lot of them. A little too
2: cool for that. Ooh. <laughs> He's talking to two Mopar guys and saying, "Yeah, wait uh, a minute. Have you guys have you guys <laughs> well, met yourselves? Wait a minute. I have a lot of friends about other Mopar guys. You guys are strange. Mopar well, okay. guys we are very really strange. Crazy. No question about that. Well, yeah. wait a minute. You're also a Ford guy, Bob. You're also well, I, a big Ford. Deal. I'm bilingual when it comes to cars. I have Fords, Mopars, and I'm getting a Brazilian car next week. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. A Brazilian car next week. Nice. Tell yeah.
2: them about the Brazilian car. It's right. called a Puma. It was a sports car made in Brazil. They sat on Volkswagen chassis. They did not sell them as complete cars in the U.S. They sent them up without suspensions, without transaxle, without an engine, and bypassed the emissions and the safety re- regulations. Nice. So is that like
0: a cheetah, like a a cheetah, same kind of like a fenderless car? What is it?
2: No, it's it's a, it's a sport. It's a fastback sports car. It was uh, something uh, in Brazil, sports cars were very expensive because they had a rule about cars being built there. And if they weren't built there, they were heavily taxed. So buying a sports car was difficult. So a guy came up with a Puma. He was a racer. He came up with a car called the Puma and it was a very stylish car taking cues from Ferrari and Porsche and others. And it was quite popular for a long time, but then it fell out of favor. And with finances being as they are, it went out of business in the late 80s. But, of course, the real thing is now to find out how you're going to get that car into California. But well, uh, getting it into California is fine. It's getting license plates for it. That's going to be Well, exactly. So, but enough about Bob. I mean, enough we about, I talk about Bob about all Bob. the time. Let's talk to our guest. <laughs>
0: it's, got a Dino, it's got a Dino front end with kind of yeah. a, a, a 240Z rear on it.
2: Yeah, the certain yeah. depends on the year, yes. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, they're kind of neat little cars. So uh, it's coming in from uh, Michigan. And uh, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Let's get right. back to Mopar guys being weird. What is it it said so weird <laughs> about Mopar guys?
0: Oh, boy. I'm I'm not going to gain a lot of fans. I don't know, dude. You guys got to tell me. I've known some really hardcore Mopar guys. Uh, you know, Chris Jacobs, who's the host of one of our yep, shows. That's he's right. A hard, hardcore Mopar guy. He's a friend of yours, but he's a hardcore. He's he's not as weird as some of them. But yeah, most of the Mopar guys are, are definitely, yeah, they're definitely straight. No, no matter <laughs> and, it's, and it's a definite religion that they have over. I mean, I have another friend, Kenny Wayne Shepard, a friend of mine, and he's definitely a Mopar guy if you look at graveyard cars those guys are weird.
1: You yeah. know I, mean, I don't know just the, the Mopar things is, is very strange. Yeah, I'll give you that about Mark. Yeah, that's that's a little yeah. he's, a little, a, yeah, he's a little out there, but he's in Oregon for heaven's sakes, right? Well, that's right. another problem altogether. Yeah, well, see, that's something completely different. All right, what was your first car?
0: Uh 69 Mach 1 Fastback. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Now how'd you get that? Um, my dad, but I, I, have
0: a, I have a gigantic story on that and it, and it's kind of like a really stupid, gigantic full circle. So
1: but that's uh, why here, give us the really gigantic story. Oh,
0: no, oh, it's so long. I mean, I'm trying to, I'll, I'll, I'll shorten a little bit. So, you know, I was, I was a bit, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, right? Especially all the Mopar guys are going to not believe this, but I was kind of a mouthy kid, right? Kind of cocky and mouthy and yeah, I it. can't believe it. Yeah. It's hard to believe. It yeah. should be so I was uh, got in a lot of trouble, got in a lot of fights, talked a lot of shit, did my thing. I kind of understood who I was very early on, so I'm still the same way. So it's kind of great. Anyhow, so my um, and you know, back then, you 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 know, you don't know what you don't know. And my dad kind of wanted to uh, connect with me in some way, so he bought this 1969 mint green Mach 1 Mustang, no motor, no suspension. The interior was kind of there and it was hit by a fucking train i promise you it it was hit by a train like the side of the car was a, like literally i don't know it was like a one it was like a monocoque mono right it was like with one seat in the middle it was smashed to death dirty mary crazy larry i remember it, that movie yeah yeah, that was a 71, right? Wasn't a yellow 71, I think?
1: Uh, yeah. I believe, well, no. I believe it was gone 62nd. That's another one, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know what
1: they. but yeah, well, that was a Charger. That was a Charger, 69 Charger, Charger yeah, I believe. Yeah,
0: see, yeah. yeah, you always refer to, okay, anyhow, so this car was bashed to shit, and, and uh, you know, my poor dad, I, I think I probably, I would probably bury my son if he abused me like this, but my dad's like, hey, I bought you this cool car, and, and I remember looking out there, and this is written in a book that my, Matt Stone did. So I remember looking out the uh, the den window, and I see the back taillights, right? And I'm still, you know, we're all kind of in that thing. I see the taillights. I know exactly what it is. 6'9 Mustang. Holy crap. I got my first car. This is amazing. So um, I run out there to the field where he, he had a draft. He drug it, and he bought it someplace and had it drug over to the field. And I round around the passenger side, and I just see, like, I don't know, it, it, you know, it looked like James Dean car. It was all just hammered, and I'm like, I look at him like, what how the What are we gonna do with this? Are you kidding me? I got, <laughs> I got three and a half months to get a car. I gotta go. I gotta go chase girls, and I got parties to go to. Like, this is a unibody. You understand that, Dad? This is a unibody, right? There's no dinacorn, There's no year one's not around. Like, I'm not buying parts for this. I'm, you know, what's, you know my dad will hook a chain up to the to the kind of the rocker and start pulling it with it mm-hmm. with a truck. I'm like this is going to take forever and it's just going to be destroyed. like i'm not spending six months of my life with you and bondo and a bunch of no no way and this is in the 80s it's not like it's i mean now you, you can rebody a car pretty easy it's like oh this is cool i can get a fender and get a roof and you could replace every single panel of the car that wasn't going on in the 80s it was like yeah it was seriously you know grab an oak tree and a, and a-, and a come along and try to pull all the dents out of this thing. So. Needless to say, I didn't I didn't really uh, appreciate that car uh, that much. And I was like, no way. I, I, I'm going to go buy me a $200, $200 piece of shit, and I'll drive it around town and trace people and just act cool if I can't drive that for another year and a half. So anyhow, it sat. That car sat for a long, long time, uh, probably 25 years. Um, no. no, maybe not that long. Maybe it was long less. It, was, it, it probably sat for another 20 years, probably. Uh, and then – yeah, and, and it sat for probably twenty years until I did befriend my my friends at, at Year One, and we ended up taking that car and rebuilding it, and it's sitting in my garage. And it's a pretty famous car that Year One built. It's called Blackened, and it is we did everything that I was supposed to do back then. But you know the difference is, a I have money, right? A little bit, of, I had a little bit of cash, a little bit of success, and we also have all the know how now and all the parts. And we dropped the four point six mod motor, and it was six hundred horsepower. It's got a four link in it. It's got coilovers. This thing's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's a, uh, it's a very sweet car. And that was my first car. Now to make a long story longer. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, go I, ahead. We got time. Yeah, make a long story much, much <laughs> longer, much, much longer. Uh, now here's a quiz for Bob. So Bob, what color was the car? My, my dad originally bought me.
2: The, was it the grabber green or the, uh, uh, what they call it? Lime green?
0: Yeah, I don't think it was lime green. Hold on. I don't think
2: it was lime green. Grabber green. I'm
1: impressed you knew grabber green. Oh, me a grabber guy. Come on. Well, there's grabber blue oh, and grabber green. That's true. You had a Maverick yeah. at one time, so yeah. that could be, you know. That explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, it was a pretty famous little grabber maverick, right, too. I'll do this to you. Okay. See, so that's... Yeah. Oh, my.
0: All right. So that's the original car, right? So, and it is hammered, but, you know, that's the car, and you see the stripe, and, all right, so... And there's an old 34 pickup behind it. But, yeah, that's the original car. And I'm like, what the hell? Dude, this thing is wasted, right? Mm. So, um, very funny. And I literally just – had this happened like three months ago. So, I rebuilt the car completely. It's, it, it turned into black and a black and sitting over there in my garage. Um, I, uh, I I kind of careful how I tell the story. I had an opportunity about two months ago. Uh, there was a extremely famous – family of actors who just moved back to Australia, which I don't want to tell you who it is. It doesn't matter. It's not that important. Um, their house burned down in the Malibu fire, the COVID hit, and they ended up just going back to, uh, um, yeah. You think <laughs> they ended up just going back to Australia and they live there now. So I have a friend of mine who was doing, uh, selling their house and caretaking their house and said, Hey, do you want to buy this, this guy's Mustang? He doesn't want it. He doesn't want anymore. And I said, no, I don't even need another Mustang. Uh, and he goes, there's a 68 Mustang. Just, just t- come look at it. So I went and looked at it. I'm like, First of all, it's not a 68, it's a 69. It's a Mach 1, and it's it's pretty spectacular. That's the car that I bought two weeks wow. ago. Beautiful. <laughs> it's the same exact car. So I sent it to my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, look, I think I uh, – remember the car you bought when I was 15? I, I think I just bought it again. <laughs> like, <laughs> And it's not black, which is the only. And it, but it's a fun little runner. I mean, it's a cool little car. It's a fun little runner. It's a fully restored Mach One. Um, I did a, an actor a favor, and I got the car from him, and now he doesn't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah. And so, so just to be just to be correct, that's not the car, but it's one that looks exactly like that car. No, that's not the car. No. That's okay.
0: All right. I I happened to get it, and I'm like, and I didn't even think about it until afterwards. Like, was like, this is the exact car my dad bought me 35 years ago, or however long it was ago. He's like, you bought me this exact same car, the color 351 Mach, same orange stripe down there, or reflected stripe down like that. It's an, it's an interesting how life works that way. And then I got it, and I took my son out for a ride, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful little runner. It's, yeah, it's kind of cool. So
1: how many Mustangs do you have? Uh should we take a commercial break? No, what? go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think it's I think I only got like four or five. I don't have that many. It, I think four or five. Four or five
1: four. five. Yeah. 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 Just just four or five. Which brings to mind the next question. How many cars right now are in the Brutzman garage? Roughly. Um, give or take.
2: Not roughly. He can see them right from where he's at really- <laughs> seven?
0: I think there's seven in here in my office now. Yeah, I've I've seven here. Well, that doesn't mean that's all you have. But it's seven. Oh no, no, there's a yeah. There's there's one. In, I have a '70 Mustang in process right now. We just dropped a coyote in it with a with a. Uh, I I used to say Tremec, uh, a Tremec six-speed. Tremec's not around anymore, so it uh, it's it's definitely a six-speed a six-speed car. Um, uh, my friends at Gateway Mustang are building it. My dad's building a 65, and I have a Bullet recreation over at my dad's house, too. Um, yeah, that I had the guys at Gateway. He, I think he put a 347 stroker in it.
1: So mm. Yeah, I have
0: like five.
1: Must have. Everybody yeah. seems to want that. What, what did you think about the uh, Mustang, the original Mustang from Bullet going for all that money? Was it 3.4? 3.2 or something like that. Something like that, like 3.4 4 million?
0: Yeah, i thought that was kind of low i mean i was i was probably one of the first person to see it i saw both of them there's actually two 558 and 559 um early early on 559 uh which was the stunt vehicle i was i i I did i was in the middle of doing this thing with chad mcqueen and and, uh and steve's wife steve's ex-wife nell um and i was doing something with ford and then i started i started hunting down these cars i ended up finding I didn't personally find it, but I found some people who found the 559 car, that whole story you guys were very familiar with about in a junkyard in Mexico, and you scratch your head at that, because I've been to Mexico a thousand times, they're like, oh yeah, I found this in the Mexico, I'm Like, and the, the guys, allegedly the story, who I, and I talked to both of them, I have photos of it, um, they, were, they, were, they bought this thing at a junkyard in Mexico, and it's been molested to all hell, it was white, it was blue, it was all molested. But it had some really funky stuff on it, meaning that it had some vents from the trunk back out in there, and had you know had some you know for cabling and for lighting and all this other stuff. And they were going to turn into an Eleanor, and then somebody, like all of us, it's 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 an interesting folklore between purists, right? Um, and then I'm not sure how you guys do it in the Mopar world, but um, but you just when you see a '68 Mustang, you just kind of go, wow. Let's just check the VIN and see if it's 558 or or 559 or whatever, because 559 was supposed to be gone. It was, it was gone, gone. Five five eight, eight was around, and that story of the barn, which turned out to be true, um, you know, it was supposed to be Tennessee, but it wasn't. But yeah, you know, the whole story about five five eight, um, which is the A car for for Bullet, but it was around for many years. But you always kind of wonder. Let me just check and see if this is like the Bullet car in disguise. And these guys checked it and said, "Wait a minute, this is five five nine. This car is supposed to be gone." And the guys from Warner Buzz are supposed to, you know, crush it and get rid of it and basically just took it across the border and sold it and now popped up and here it is. I mean, then there, you know, there's some controversy wrapped around that, that car. because They're trying to restore it, but I do really appreciate the story of 558. Um, I think it's, I think that $3.5 million is low for that car um, because Steve McQueen has such provenance and that movie has such provenance on all of us. I mean, it was, it's, mm-hmm amazing movie it's one of the best chase scenes in the, in the in the entire planet so yeah to have that to have that originally kind of patinaed original it's just so fascinating
1: it's the car to have if you you know and, if you, and you thought about buying it for how long um <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit maybe no, part you kind of was thinking about it no, no,
0: not really. I'm, uh,
1: I'm not, you know, I'm not
0: Ralph Lauren yet. I'm working on it, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not dropping $5.5 dollars on a car just yet. Okay, but
1: okay.
0: if if I was, it would be something like that. Stupid. It wouldn't. I wouldn't buy a brand new Bugatti because I wanted to be cool. I'd, I'd I'd buy some car with you know some movie
2: provenance or something that you know Steve McQueen sat in at one time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
2: Very yeah, good. we got to see we got to see the car when it was on tour. Before he had decided to to put it through the auction, they brought it to the Grand National Roadster Show in LA. Mm-hmm. And he had it on display right at the front of the stage when they're doing the trophy presentations. And it's it's an impressive car to see just for the Provenance like you're talking about. Other than that, it's it's okay. Uh, it's a neat car. It's got some great history.
0: Oh, it does. I at least I'm into movie cars. We can talk about that in a minute. But I like movie cars. Where, where's the charger at? Did that really get blown up? Did you find pieces of the charger, Randy?
1: That's a good question. I never explored that. That's yeah. a, that's a good question. How many chargers cool. actually got blown up? And are did any survivors stick around long enough to get destroyed by uh, you know Dukes of Hazard? Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> are there right? any are there any chargers <laughs> left anymore? I there, there was a guy who was a comedian who I knew who came to me and he knows jay leno and he came to me and he said look i'm going to show this to jay but i want you to look at it and you know what do you think i could get for it and basically it was a green 68 base charger not a lot of extra stuff on it and i thought i said you know you're going to sell it just make sure whoever you sell it to wants to fix it and doesn't want to paint it orange and drive it off a mountainside you know (laughs) you know (laughs) and put a horn on it that uh you know is a roadrunner horn on it so it's like okay that could be a little scary but i'm wondering what happened to that car because it seems all these chargers have disappeared and now they're crumbled metal that used to be in a movie or in a tv show so well that's a good question though i had to find out about that
0: yeah no i'll probably go on a search i actually did i i had a whole thing about searching bullet i was going to try to find the 558 559 car and in the process of doing my research and that's what we were talking about i I ended up stumbling on both of them. Like literally that January, I think it was that January, I saw the five five nine car pop out of thing. I'm like, okay, great, I got the great part of the story. And if five five eight could just pop out, and it, it popped out. I was talking to the board, I was talking to the family and like it's coming out, like, you know, this is already happening. My my my
1: I think it's uh Chad's uh niece was uh, involved with the launching of it. How did you get into television production? I mean, there are a lot of shows that you've done and and really of the car shows, and we, we've talked about it uh, before we brought you on. Overhauling, obviously, is the one everybody knows you from, but Rides with Jason Priestley back in the day, uh, the car show there, uh, Hot Rod TV, there's just a whole bunch of them. But before that, you were doing other shows and all sorts of different ones like, uh, let's see uh there were all sorts of interesting ones about femme fatales and and uh also uh, elvis documentary with uh, his first fiance. all this how did you get into television production how'd you get steered into that
0: well to understand the lack of quality in my early part of my resume you have to know <laughs> right <laughs> you have to know that i was producing i, I was primarily it's very funny like i was I was primarily producing for home video, right? So at, at, at the time that I started early nineties, you know, home video was prevalent. And any time that you could do any kind of documentary, and it could be an add-on, I did a Titanic documentary, uh, you know, I did you, and unfortunately the time too, I'll be doing Red Skelton documentaries. Anybody died, boom, but two months later I'd come up with a documentary. I'd cobble together some footage on Bob Hope and um so we were, you know, that was the, uh, again, the lack of quality. My early part of a resume was really dictated by the client. You know, you guys are the clients, right? So the clients are like, they, you guys buy this crap at, at the home video store. So like I would produce it. VHS, yeah. Yeah, no, it was all VHS. And, and, and then went to, you know, DVD. But, uh, and then I would take a lot of my shows internationally. And how I really kind of started my TV business is I would, I would make cut my deals with, you know, Best Buy, Musicland, and Tower Records, and all those back in the day, I'm like, I'll give you the home, the US home video rights, but I'm going to take the foreign television rights, and I would produce for US home video, and we'd sell hundreds of thousands of copies, but then I would make a little bit of money, and I would go international, and I would meet with all the broadcasters internationally, and say, hey, you got to buy this, it's an Elvis documentary, and it's, and it's clear, or it's a Marilyn Monroe, and it's clear, and it's like, and I did hundreds of them, I mean, it was just you know, we did it low cost and and very quick, and it was very you know consumable for for the for the clients. Um, and then, really, as, as a part of my evolution, you go from home video, you definitely want to be in television. You don't want to sit in the directs of home video for the rest of your life, right? Just direct a DVD, direct a DVD, or direct a videotape, or direct a blockbuster it seemed like a, a a crappy existence at that point in my life. Um, so, I, I I really started, you know. Pushing hard to get into television, right? And I did. uh, I ended up connecting with James Woods, and I did a uh, a thing called Cheating Las Vegas. Um, And and by the way, I had some other friends of mine. They were actually cheating Las Vegas and, you know, counting cards and doing all. I mean, making shit tons of money in Vegas doing card counting. And uh, I literally blacked their face out. And would put it on the screen. Like, don't worry, just and they're like, You're gonna get me in trouble. Like, no, it's fine. We changed their names and we started talking about it. So we did we did that for TLC. And then, you know, the honest, the honest answer is uh, there was it was kind of a confluence of a bunch of ideas, and that's how all things happen. People want to call it luck, but it's really just I w- I was pitching some automotive programming to TLC, and TLC ended up getting kind of a, a mandate from John Hendricks at the time, who's the founder him and his son were very much into cars and they were very, if you haven't been seen his car collection, it's crazy. Um, they were very much into cars and all John was a, you know, he's a consummate entrepreneur and a leader and he wanted to start this thing called turbo, right? Which is around the world. Turbos around the world, which kind of was the precursor to velocity. And, and so again, the confluence of many, many things again, call that luck, but was, TLC was trying to, they're trying to figure out how they do like a Motor Tuesday. Um, now it's Motor Monday, but they were trying to figure it out on Tuesday night. They're going to do some motor programs. And I ended up pitching them rides. I'm like, hey, I want to do this anthology. Technically, nobody knows this. Technically, it's just so I could go do fun shit. Like I want someone, I want someone to pay for me to go to Bonneville. Like I don't really do – I've kind of kept that my whole life. I don't do anything cool unless someone else pays for it. Like you want to yeah, – mm-hmm. yeah, you want me to go racing? All right, let's go racing. But – I would go to Bonneville and Sebring and we we would do – you name it in the automotive world. All I had to do – and because, you know, I'm not a purist of any type and I'm just kind of an adventure kind of guy, it worked. Like, do you want to go with Corvettes to watch them race Sebring? That sounds badass. Okay, I remember even, like, for other seasons, I'm, we're going to go to Le Mans with a Ford team. Um, you know, let's go race the Baja 1000 with, you know, with this team over here. Like, oh, that sounds great. Okay, let's make – that. I can make an automotive story out of that because there's always – logistics and engineering and fabrication and last minute crazy shit and wrecks and wins and you know, all the storytelling that car guys like. So rides was, uh, I can say this now cause it's been a while, but rides was just a play toy for me. Do I want to go hang out with Roy Brizio? Do I want to go on the search and find, you know, uh, Vic Edelbrock's original 32 roadster? Yeah, we did. We found it. I mean, we restored it and put it on the show. And I mean, we did so much. Do we want to, we did this original deal. I never cared. I was always, we did original where we were doing life-size versions of Hot Wheels. I, mean, I went to, Hot Wheels came to us and said, hey, we want to design this thing called the Diora." And I had Chip was on our, on our side at that time. He designed it and we got a Cadillac and cut it apart. It's like, you would make I mean, everything. I worked with Carol Shelby for a year and a half building the prototype Cobra every day for a year and a half. It was just Carol and I and, and Richard Hudding and some other people here in Valencia, California, um, where their old design studio used to be. Their design studio was in Valencia. It's mm-hmm. where the 05 Mustang was built, and it's also where the Cobra was built. And uh, I don't think Platunia, which turned out to be the four GT, the 2005 thousand five GT, I don't think it was designed and built there. But yeah, the the, the rebirth of that uh, that uh, the Cobra, the Shelby Cobra was at uh, here in Valencia. And we'd go there every single day and work with them. It was crazy. But it was really just a fun thing for me.
2: That's great to be part of that and making your passion and your desires into a a documentary, so to speak. I mean, you, you got to do what you wanted to do, learn what you wanted to learn, and someone else paid for your education.
0: Well, yeah, it's kind of like the Anthony ordained style, except for I wasn't on camera drinking you know, drinking vodka and talking shit. I would be on camera you know, drinking <laughs> beer and talking shit. But it, it, was, it was like, hey, I want to go there. That's a, that's, I mean, and I think if you do things from a purist, from a real point of view, it resonates with people. You're like, hell yeah, I want to go see that collection. I want to go. Like Jay Leno and I, and I saw, I it's funny, something popped on my Facebook the other day. But like, uh, oh, God, I got yelled at so bad. I got yelled at and got so bad for that. I, I can tell you the story. So, Jay got, I, I think it was 2005, it must have been, yeah, it was 2005. He just got that Carrera GT Porsche. I'll tell you the story because he's, he's out of contract now. But he got the Carrera GT Porsche.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, and he wanted to go with David Donahue, Mark Donahue's son. They were going to try to set the world record for you know, closed course production vehicle at the time, right? And then I had to. Oh, now she's gonna hate me if she hears this. So I had to lie, uh, which I did. Uh, you know, to to Jay's production assistant or production manager at at the, at the Tonight Show, and tell her that Jay and I are. You know, we're gonna go to Talladega. We're gonna try some go karts. Nothing dangerous. We're gonna film some stuff. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, and she got so pissed at me. Anyhow, so I basically I lied to MBT and told them I'm taking their their their, you know, all star host, and we're just gonna go go-kart racing and at Talladega literally that was the lie like although and those two things don't even match like you 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 have to be some dumbass who lives in Burbank to believe that we're going to go we're going to go go-kart racing at Talladega right <laughs> if you believe that you kind of deserve it Fuck <laughs> you're you on a different level of, of, of dumbness okay good go racing Talladega that sounds very fun just be safe okay great so we go and um I remember this very clearly and there and David Donahue was testing that Carrera GTs fast as hell, and Jay was, uh, and I remember it so clearly, Jay was doing about 168, 169, right, in that car. Of course. Um, and there's a model of it, yeah. He was flying, and then, so he was doing these time laps, and he made a mistake, right, which he won't make ever again, by the way, because I think he he's still incontinent for that, He sold himself. <laughs> Is... I remember it extremely clear because I remember what he said and what they said to him afterwards. Like he crossed the finish line at like 168 and he just fully left off the throttle and then the car started to spin. And I remember sitting on the pit wall of Talladega and it's, you know, it's got a 33 degree bank on it. And then you, as you go around the corner, you kind of lose sight of him. So Jay comes across the corner and you can hear him lift and the car just starts to spin. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, Holy shit! Don't hit anything! Don't hit anything! So it didn't come into the pits, and then all of a sudden he spins out of sight, and all we see him is just spinning out of sight, like through the wall. We're like, "Oh, he's dead! He's dead!" So oh, we just, oh, we, no. yeah, we, we do with you know we can call it whatever you want—the baton death march. You just start running towards the accident, right? And it's it's so far away on a track where it's stupid because you know half the guys on the you know not in shape, so they're they're a quarter mile and they're done, and we're still running, and then Jay. Um, and it's sitting in the shop. You should ask him one day because we, my name's on it. We all signed it. So Jay just comes up the wrong way on the on the pit wall. It's like, "Hi guys," and we're like, "You're okay." <laughs> like, like yeah. He goes, "I think I hit a cone, but but I'm okay." And so then him and David start talking. He's like, "Hey, you know, I think you guys you lifted like completely off the throttle when you crossed the line at 160, 170 miles an hour. You probably shouldn't do that again." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I get that." And so here's the fun part, and I'll stop the story, but here's the fun part. So he hit a cone, legitimately a cone, not, not, no, it's just a, you know, like two foot cone, an orange cone, it's sitting in a shop. Now when you go to a shop, there's a cone there. We all signed it. He cracked the body in half. He hit that cone going sideways, 150 miles an hour. And it literally cracked that the, uh, um, the carbon fiber tub, the tub is like, it's like 160, $170,000 damage. He hit it square right behind the rear door. Right behind the pa- the uh, driver's side door, cracked the tub in half because he whacked it. So, the uh, one of the one of the one of the workers uh, at the track workers came back and said, "Hey, by the way, Jay, here's your cone." Here's your cone. And we all signed it. Was like a hey, nice <laughs> so at at his garage is a cone with a bunch of asshole signatures on it, and we all, and sitting next to his his uh, his Carrera GT from two thousand five.
1: Now, I know people, and that's a great story, but I know people are at home watching this or listening to this, and they're thinking to themselves, well, wait a minute, bud. What should I do next time I'm doing 168 miles an hour and I cross the finish line? Obviously, just letting up on the throttle isn't the right thing. What should I be doing instead? Well, you, you, you definitely you can't
0: downshift, and you shouldn't let up on the throttle away. You've got to back up on the throttle nice and easy. Let's get into the corner, especially at Talladega because, I mean, if you had never been on 33 banking, it is insane. If your car slides sideways, you can't run up it. It's so steep. And then as you get into it, the car, the inertia in the car sticks, and then you can pull back out of the throttle because you know everything's going to be stuck sideways. It's very fun. I've raced it many times, and there was a there was a test track that I raced the uh, – um, uh, I think it was the 2013 Boss Mustang on uh, in, in, in back of Ford by the truck plant. Mm-hmm. And it had, like – 25 degree banking. And basically it's, it's not, it's not normal. Your, your ass tells you, I promise you, this is true. Your ass tells you don't go into that corner at 120 miles an hour because your ass is like lift, lift, lift. Cause you're about to go sideways. Right. And your ass is the first, first thing in your body that says, Oh shit. But when you're, when you're doing something with that much, that much degree of banking, you just go in it and you go <clears throat> around. You're like, Holy shit. That's fun. Like you do, you don't have any lateral slide. You just hit it, stick, and you just and uh, and your bottom just you just suck down to the track. It's so great. Anyhow, so don't lift that much. You lift it just as ever so much, and you start to break a little bit once you get out of that. Once you get out of the corner, so that's what you should do. But you should also go to Jay Leno's and see with your ass. What are you writing? Ass what?
1: I, i'm just writing down no need to see proctologist no, just, <laughs> uh, okay I, yeah. I got that okay we're good yeah. so, you gotta
0: see Cohen. so when the episode of rides came out this is an episode of rides it's,
1: you can watch it on, i think it's on the motor
0: train app the lady at, who's a very good friend of mine i was supposed to email her today but uh she emailed me and said you lied to me she saw the episode she's like you almost killed him like i saw the
1: episode you guys were not go-kart racing i'm like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, it's kind of like go-kart.
1: It <laughs> was so sort of, of like, yeah, go-karts made by Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
0: It was bad. They were very angry at me, and didn't we almost kill J Jay- I didn't
2: kill him. <laughs> oh, know, but you're not the first one to do that. He almost did the same thing with Bob Riggle in the wheel standing, Hurst. He oh, under- he did more than it. almost do it. I mean, when they flipped oh, yeah. over yeah, and that and that glass car, yeah. that. that yeah. I've got the taillight. The PR guy from uh, Irwindale came up to me and said, you know what this is? I said, well, it's a taillight lens. He says, it's what's left of the Hurst of hemi under glass, and Jay Leno was in it, but you can't see anything. So I've, I've, got, it in my, I've got it in my garage. Nice. Yep. Yes. So that
0: was, yeah, that was a gnarly, and that had nothing to do with him. He was just, you know, dumb shit no. with cars. He was just a guy which, you got Jay Leno in your car, you want to show off a
2: little bit. That, that, that yeah. Well, and
1: Jay place. had his hand out like this. Yeah, had his he hand out the window. Which was... At least he got it inside very quick. That could have been awkward. Hey, we're going to take a break here on the Talking About Cars podcast. Bud Brutzman is joining us, giving us some great car stories. Coming up, we're going to talk about his racing life. And we may have an awkward moment with our guest. Yes. Another one. Another one. That's coming up on the Talking About Cars podcast right here on Radio.com and our Two Tired Guys YouTube page right after this. Hey, welcome back. Talking About Cars podcast i'm randy that's hot rod bob and that is our guest bud brutzman hi guys man behind such great shows is overhauling and rides and hot rod tv and and one show i've never heard of animal storm squad what is that i was
0: thinking about the you you guys remember when katrina hit it's very funny so when katrina hit this is like a, a problem that popped up like um brad pitt and matthew mcconaughey went down there on a boat and they started rescuing animals right because the truth is, you know, when shit hits the fan and people start killing each other for food, their, 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 their pets aren't necessarily on their mind. So I actually p- created a show and pitch a show to National Geographic called Animal Storm Squad, where we had a, a group of storm chasers and they were married with a group of veterinarians and we would go into, uh, and it was a very difficult show to produce cause we had to wait for, you know, shit to hit the fan. Uh, so we would go into, uh, fires and floods and, you know, really bad places tornadoes ripped through and we would rescue all the animals um and it was you know honestly one of my favorite shows I was so like motivated and, and it was so much fun to be on the set we would go there it's just complete chaos right so they're like you you sign up to be a volunteer you, you sign a waiver for the state and like and you just drive around your truck and you pick up chihuahuas you pick up dogs and we're like doing all this stuff and helping cats and we actually uh yeah it's so it's it's rewarding, right? So one of the main things that I like to do is, you know, I like storytelling, but I also like doing rewarding TV. And we uh, we ended up picking up this pony, this little tiny Shetland pony one time. Uh, that's, just, that's horsepower, right? So I guess it kind of fits in. <laughs> and, and, you
2: know,
0: who, who is, this pony was picked up and, and thrown and it shattered its hip, right? And so, you know, and when you're in the Midwest, you know, doctors are like, Oh, well, I got 25 cents in the needle. I'll take care of that problem. They're going to kill the horse. Right. That's what you do with, you know, a little 300 pony that's got a shattered hip. you like, you just put it down and that doesn't technically make good TV. Right. So I'm like, Nope, we're not putting it down. We're going to, we're going to sling this baby. And we're gonna we we picked it up, put it in the back of our suburban, which you know I got a bunch of you know animal jackasses telling me that's a no no. I was like, well, I'm not gonna let it die on the side of the road, so I'm gonna take it someplace. So we got the horse uh, to the veterinarian, and he's like, no, you don't want to do this, dude. You know, just X-rays and there's this and operations and tracks. I'm like, I'll pay for it. Let's just you know let's film it. And let's pay for it. So we did. Um, and it had like a shattered, you know, scapular. It was, the shoulder was completely shattered. Anyhow. So long story short, it turns out that it's just, it's, the, it's, the, it's perfect stories, right? And why It's one, you can't really plan for this. You just try to do right a bunch of times and hopefully you get lucky. Not that this is lucky, but it, it turns out to be a little girl's pony. Her dad passed away in the war in Iraq and he gave her that pony before he left. And so we're like, oh my God. So then we reunited the girl with a pony and it was just an amazing story. And I don't know. That was that's a very cool, very, very cool. Two seasons. Uh, then that geo kind of figured out it's really hard to produce. Cause they kept calling me like, how many episodes are you going to do this year?
2: I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how many disasters are you going to plan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, remember,
0: I remember a few times I was sitting with my wife and I was like, I, we were at like some Disney on ice crap that I don't like. Um, <laughs> And my son wanted to go, or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, I'm getting like storm warnings, and I'm like, "All right, I gotta go." (laughs) And like, like I'm on like you know fast action, you know reaction seal team. Like, I gotta go. We're we're heading. We start making phone calls, and it was literally like, "How many structures are hurt? Where where is the town at? How many people are down? Three thousand structures. This this happened. Okay, we're gone. And we would just we would just meet in the middle of nowhere, and we just roll into town and say we're. And by the way. 99% 99% of the time, they're like, the cops are looks like, what are you doing? Like, we're saving dogs and cats. They're like, yeah, there's there's people dead over there. I'm like, yep,
1: I understand. You guys handle that. I'm
0: going to go yeah. get some dogs yeah. and
1: cats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned your wife. And I, I have to say our awkward moment here is is the fact that never, ever on this podcast have I ever done a show with, with the wife of our guest staring at me. So, on Uh-oh. my wall, right over here, there she is. Oh, yeah. Okay. There yeah. she is staring at me. This is next month, by the way.
0: I was going to say, yeah, that's the wrong month because November has the Mercury, which is way more yeah. sultry than
1: that. By the time it gets to uh, YouTube, it'll be in December. But this yeah. this is this month.
0: Which, oh, yeah. yeah. Is this yeah. better?
1: Yeah, yeah. what?
0: Listen, that's not awkward for me. It's got to be awkward for you, but I, I see that. <laughs> every <day>. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> You'd be surprised what's awkward for us. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <'cause>...
0: <laughs> uh, my Mustang is May. If you pull up May. Okay, hold well on. If you look at May in that calendar, if you can somehow look past the beautiful girl
1: in front of it. That's Sorry, me.
2: can't do that. But I, yeah. I will certainly yeah. try. Hold on. May. And the awkward said... moment is Randy flipping through the calendar.
1: Yeah, that basically is the awkward moment. Don't mind me as he looks off camera.
0: Well, we did we did a, like an uh, like a coding on there for drool. So it, oh, okay, good. Oh, yeah.
1: well, good. Oh my, this At is uh, yeah. You know, those things happen. There and, you uh, go. The is this is the Mustang. There you go. Right. There That's we go. Blocking. Wow. By the way, uh, if you haven't figured this out by now, AJ from uh, Overholand is uh, Bud Brutzman's wife. Yeah.
2: All right. Speaking. Uh, of how
1: did you guys meet? <laughs> uh, we met in Paris uh she was extremely
0: young i mean we, we met in paris uh, we were both pretty young back then i was at the i was at the can film festival she was modeling in paris we met many years before we before i created overhaul and she was we were technically already married uh when overhaul started okay okay yeah some people some people have these wacky fantasies that you know i have a casting couch which i do
1: but um <laughs> 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 reserved for the wife huh? yes. That yes. sadly will have to come up on another edition. of am talking about this uh, podcast I, I don't want to yeah. come back for that.
2: Oh, yeah. Just yeah. out of curiosity, what made you bring back uh, Overholland?
0: Well, Overholland is, is this awesome thing that just, it won't go away. You know, I, I wish those decisions were up to me is, and you know, I get super cocky about it because we've been canceled like five times. Right. And then, you know, and I get, I get all the nasty emails and the FUs and it's, it's over budget. It's too expensive. No one cares anymore. And we're like, okay, great. And then we just go away for three years and all those executives go away. Right. And then they come back and they go, and I remember the first time, like I was flying, I was in Brazil, not looking at your Puma car, but I was in Brazil. Uh-huh. I was looking for, I was doing a search for diamonds or something like that. Some crazy shit. Uh-huh. Like We're looking for a big red diamond. Um, Super, super sketchy and super scary. Uh, and I got a call, and they're like, "Hey, from the guy from Discovery Channel." I was in the airplane itself, uh, and I, I'm not going to use their names, but a guy calls me. He was the head of Discovery Channel at the time, and he's like, "Hey, we're going to launch Velocity. I want to bring back Overhaul." And I'm like, "Hell yeah! I'll talk. I'm in Brazil right now, but I'll call you next week." So, you know, the the thing constantly comes back, and it really has to do it, it has to do with a couple of things. You know, the the, the the global popularity of cars and overhaul and, and chip foos. and we also did something really early on um, you know we started fan pages and facebook pages and and when when you when you when you're a discovery channel and you launch velocity and this just happened recently you know a year and a half ago when we came back from motor trend is they like they start they start evaluating their brands and that's what everybody's doing like they evaluate like who's got brand equity I'm like ah, that damn thing overhaul won't go away it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like herpes. Like, what the hell? It just it keeps on coming back. And they're like, we got brand equity. We got, we are, they're calling me and they they want me to like say no. And like, can you get Chip and Chris and AJ? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And I just, you know, we just are, we're in this really good click. And you got to remember when I said this a couple times earlier, I said it about pets and animals, but it's all always about my television. The highlights of my television career is all about doing good things for people. And that's what really overhauling was, is connecting people. We happen to use cars as a connecting tissue, but really we we're telling stories of people. And so to Chip, I know for a fact it never gets old. He, he digs it. He loves it. He challenges. So they called me when they launched Velocity, they called me when launched TLC and then it goes away again. Right. And then also they like, Hey, we got this Motor Train app. Do you want to come back for another two seasons? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back for another two seasons. Who's the executives in charge? Great. It's like, <laughs> they, and they're, they're, I know there's a couple guys at Discovery, like, oh, no, not again. But, you know, <laughs> it, but it, works. it works, by the way. And there's nothing better. You know, in, in automotive television, I'm very incredibly biased, right? There's some good shows out there, but you got to remember that. Overhauling is, 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 is a very complex hybrid format. It's not just, you know, uh, and, and people get kind of off on tangents. People are like, oh, it's a barn find show. You, buy, you, you find a car and you build it, and ta da, there it is. No, ours is incredibly complex. And, and that's what keeps it going. You know, there's always pranks in the middle of it, there's always the backstory, challenge of Chip trying to, I don't know, rip the car in half in seven days and glue it back together and the shit that he does to a car, which is crazy and good. And then you got, you're fascinated because Chip was such an artist. You watch him draw, um, you know, their chemistry, those three, you know, Chip, AJ and Chris are, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sometimes we do, we do some big celebrities and that catches people's attention and makes people mad too. Same thing. But you know, it, it's a, it's a complex format and I think complex formats, uh, was, it was designed that way. And it, and it kind of, it, listen, I can't, you know, 16 years, 17 years into it. I'm not going to deny it. It's, it's, it's a badass show. I mean, why would it come back that many times? We did 137 episodes and it continues like, you know, it's about, see it got our last episode aired in February. We did with Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. We did a, uh, and that was incredibly terrible and heart-wrenching and, and horrible and all, all those things. We, we actually stole that car in December. We started filming it. And then right when we're going to give the car back, Kobe dies. We're like, oh, so we are trying. And he doesn't, obviously Shaq doesn't know anything about it. So I'm trying to coordinate like, when's he going to be in LA? He'll be out next week for the funeral. Okay, well, I'm not talking to him then. I'm like, it's not like, it's not like, yeah. gonna call him, but, hey, come down here and get your car. It's like, uh, so we kind of had to like put that one on ice. And I remember I was in, um, I was in Louisiana with some of the executives. I'm like, what do you want me to do? like I have this shack episode sitting in the can. I don't have the reveal because I got to kind of wait for the right time, you know, to, and cause you know, we had to wait for the right time to accuse his best friend of being a car thief and stealing this car and doing the whole thing as, as the episode goes. But I, I didn't feel, I didn't have the heart to do it that close to, you know, his friend's death. So yeah, it was a, so we just did it in February. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's a good 12 months right now before they call me and ask me for more episodes.
1: Well, and then COVID hit, so obviously that's put certainly not this uh, show, but how has it affected some of the other shows that you were working on? Massive,
0: uh, yeah. We had we had. I mean, all of all of production shut down in the whole entire state. I mean, three, four months, five months. I mean, I had I have an international travel show where we go around the world and we and we we build infrastructure for uh, underprivileged people and charities. Um. And that show got completely shut down and we've kind of had to, you know, maneuver that one back in and we've done three or four episodes here in the States. Um, I have a massive show on a little, uh, special that I'm doing four part special on uh, discovery channel and that got shut down completely. And we just finished it like a week and a half ago. Um, and that'll be airing in December or no January mm-hmm. It'll air in January, but yeah, that one got on, put on hold for seven months. It was, it was awful. Um, but that's fine. Strong survive. It happens.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are, production's back uh, almost to normal. Or at least it was until this last week.
0: Yeah, production was back. I, I wouldn't call it normal, but yeah, it's 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 definitely back. It's different. It's definitely not normal. Everybody running around with masks, and you gotta you gotta do COVID tests, and you gotta follow the follow the regulations and stuff like right. that. But for us, it, that you know, it, it definitely I you know, there's a lot of people that just just gave up. And I, I, did, I never give up on anything. I'm like, okay, that's great. So what do we got to do and move forward? I, I, I was pushing um, Discovery. I was pushing on my other networks. Like, what do we have to do to move forward? I mean, I, I created um, instantly because I just, I, I felt challenged. Like March, April, I created like, a couple series uh, that we instantly did, like a lot of people did. We did, uh, we called, uh, I did a series for Optima batteries called uh, Horsepower House Calls. What was amazing for our industry, for, for car people is like, when are you going to get seven months to sit in your fucking garage and tinker on your, on your project, right? So the business, <laughs> like the quiet, part about the, the quiet part about COVID and all this other shit is like the automotive industry is booming. I have friends who are like, like their hardest thing is they can't keep people in the warehouse shipping parts because all those jackasses are they're like, well, I got a week and a half. I guess I can switch out the carburetor in my car. It's not going to take much. Usually we have like two hours on Saturday, right? And now you're like, well, you have four months. They basically do nothing but tinker on your car. So, and I talked to people in shops, and they were they were cranking. So
1: everybody has a list of the cars they want. The cars yep. that one day you're going to buy. What? Give me the top two or three cars that's on top of the Bud Brutzman list of cars I want someday. Yeah, but if I give you one, the price will probably go up somehow. Um. <laughs> Not from our audience. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, top twos. I I need a uh, a, a triple black four twenty nine boss uh, four twenty nine boss Mustang for sure. Okay, um, that's that's got to happen. Uh, pretty rare. The triple black tuxedo black was kind of kind of rare. There's also a triple black uh, sixty nine GTO Judge that I have to get for mm, Agent. She a Judge. Yeah, uh, she's a Pontiac girl, right? Which I yeah. I still, still allow her to be in the house, but she's a Pontiac girl. <laughs> Pontiac, um, yay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she desperately wants um, – it's kind of weird, though, because when I mean, we talk about it, I don't, I don't think she's actually really ever driven a Pontiac to say that she's a Pontiac girl, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> she's posed next to a few. I know that. Yeah, because yeah,
0: her Pontiac's got an
1: LS3, right?
0: LS3 with Detroit Speed Engineering thing, and she just thinks it's a Mercedes. Like, this
1: is great. It starts
0: all the time, and it turns real great, and it stops real great. <laughs> And we've had a conversation. I can't really fully molest a '69 GTO Judge, right? And, and but when we were talking about it, I'm like, "Hey, I found this really cool restored, you know, uh, Pontiac, you know, this GTO Judge, black on black. It's really cool." And she's like, "Yeah, you can pull it out and put a roto shop chassis and drop an LS3, and then we go." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, 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 yeah, I, I uh, you know, I, I may not like other call cultures, but I definitely respect." their their wishes and i'm not going to molest a, a gto judge although i did find one that uh had a blown motor and none num- not a numbers matching transmission so i was thinking about that one because you uh, can that one that's it's not numbers matching um we can still you know get semi-crucified by some of the purists but at least you could save the car right i gotta get a a 427 69 corvette only one corvette i would own i would probably own a you know a Gen 2 one, 57, 58 uh, one. But the one that I have to have is the uh, removable T-Tops or removable top 69, uh, 427 uh,
1: Corvette. Okay, car you once had that you would like to get back.
0: Uh, There's not many of those. Uh, There's technically one, and I don't know why. um, And I might have tracked it down technically. There was a, uh, oh boy, I think it's a 74 280Z. Um, that I had when I first moved to California, my da- it was gold. My dad painted it blue. Um, and it was just, you know, it was a uh, fuel injection car, not a Weber car, uh-huh. it was a fuel injection car. And t- it just was cool. It just ran like a son of a bitch. I ended up selling it. I, you know, I, I sold it and I got this other car and, you know, cause I needed to commute and work until like, it was cool to run around the beach. But I nostalgically, I'd probably buy that car again. I got to get a tiger sunbeam because just cause uh-huh. I, I have, such a a visceral connection with cheryl kelby uh, carol shelby and i just like everything that he's ever touched and everything he's ever done and you know i know his involvement with it with that when we did one on overhauling for the same reason yeah um which i thought beautiful. you were
1: going to say don adams from get smart yeah right no now.
0: no no that's not no, that auto
2: uh, teacher episode was a good one yeah.
0: no yeah well it was something that chip and i always wanted to do i'm like dude what do you think Like we got an auto shop teacher. It gives us our, you know, it gives, it gives me, and you got to see the underlying thing of like, even some of our casting, like we want to appreciate auto shop. There's auto shop to exist. We got to bring that back. And I know that was a big thing with chip is like, you know, we're, we're losing touch with our hands. We're losing touch with our creativity. And it's like, we get to tell the story of an auto shop guy and the auto shop guy, of course, he's got an old shitty, you know, something tiger stuffed away in the school storage. I'm taking it and we're going to rebuild it. And it's going to be badass. And chip was all on board. It was Mm -hmm. great. I can't good. find parts for it, but it was, t- it was, it was tough. Yeah. So there's so much to our episodes, right? We, it's never just, you know, Bob's got a Camaro and he always wanted to be on overhauling. No, no.
2: There's, there's... You, you changed the format a little bit this time with newer cars and less total rebuilds for a while, but then it seems towards the end, the the big rebuilds started coming back again.
0: So yeah, the, the game plan was to try to get people to try to get the younger audience, right? Cause we're going after a streaming audience, which is arguably younger. Right. And so we, we thought, even though it's still chip and he's still just so, just so much stuff to these cars. So we started doing newer cars, right? We started doing interior and engine mods and suspension mods and stuff like that, just to kind of update the show. Like, how do you do it? Like what well, we're going to do on mostly modern cars. And then about every second or third ep- or third email back was, you know, people motherfucking us because we're not doing older cars. Right. So, uh, okay. I'll throw a Land Cruiser news. We had like a 72 Land Cruiser, which was really cool. That's, I mean, and chip with bananas and LS3 on it, we lifted it. And so we did the Land Cruiser, which took some time. That's a very difficult car and chip with bananas on it. We, we did get a lot of blowback. And so, you know, I want, I wanted the fans and then the, the Shaq opportunity jumped up and I wanted the fans to know that we still have it. And I also wanted to challenge our A-team and uh, we did the 64 convertible Impala for, for Shaq, which by the way, was a pain in the ass. Literally had to lower, like, the, the the front seat is in the back seat uh we we shrunk the back seat by almost a foot and made it a speaker box and then put the back of the chair against the seat and then we lowered the uh the entire driver's side almost by three and a half inches because his foot if you saw the episode his foot's like it's like i'm not even joking his foot's 21 22 inches tall and you can't he couldn't can't put his foot underneath the dash like we took a shoe and we put underneath the dash and like he hits the speedometer, right? He hit like, his <laughs> his and the speedometer all at the same time. So we had to lower the pedal box, right? And then separate him because his feet are so damn big, uh, tilt, you know, still uh, like a tilt column. You, you know, we got, uh, uh, Jim McIlvain from, uh, Optima, Optima Jim is his mm-hmm. name. He used to play against Shaq and he's seven foot one. I flew him out there kind of as a, you know, kind of a stunt cock. I, I need you to like, you need to stand in for, for Shaq and, he sat there, and we kind of designed everything around him. Like, where, where are you going to uh, go? Yeah, Shaq, allegedly, and I, I haven't talked to him for a while, but um, he says it's his favorite car. He loves it. He loves that car.
1: When are the uh, new shows coming up?
0: Ugh. Yeah, it's hard to talk about. Uh, it's, it's big, but I, I, I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, so, you know, I have a, a pretty big show called The Fixers, which is on BYU TV, and that's the one that we're traveling around all the time. Like KBYU TV? Like the one in Utah? Um, it's not K-Y-B-U-T-V. TV. It's called BYU TV. It's it's not. It, it's out of Utah. Absolutely. They're, oh, okay. They're, so it's yeah.
1: the BYU television station. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. They
0: have they have original programming. We have one of the biggest shows on there, and we we go around the world. Um, and we kind of uh, we we that's the one we build infrastructures and help underprivileged kids and underprivileged. Hmm. Kids. We we did a we dug a two hundred and seventy five foot aqua well for a a village in Nicaragua who didn't have fresh water. I mean, they would literally. Uh, it, it probably builds a lot of character when you're seven or eight years old and you got to go, you got to spelunk down a 75 foot well and then drag up a gallon of water. So mom could do the dishes. I'm sure that, you know, that probably has some advantages in life. Um, so we, 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 messed that all up because we dig We dug a wall, we dug a huge well and just put a tap and go, you don't have to climb down there. You just fill up your thing here. Um, but it's, it's a definitely a big rewarding show. And it's called the fixtures on BYU. Um, we have a, a very big show. I can give you a tiny sneak peek about it. Um, I, I ended up teaming up with Josh Gates and Christopher Lloyd, and we are doing a four-part series on Discovery Channel, and it's called Expedition Back to the Future. And we are hunting down all the screen-used movie cars from Back to the Future. Oh! Oh! Wow! Michael like J. That. Fox. Is in it. Yeah, Michael J. Fox is in it. Uh, you know, everybody's in it. You know, we we even got Strickland. We flew. I flew Strickland out from New York. Strickland. Uh, who was the principal, right? Who yelled slacker at everybody, he yelled it to Bob all the yep. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, he was probably your principal in high school. Mine uh, again,
1: yeah. Yeah. Pretty much.
0: Yeah. Uh, he is, his name's James Tolkien. He's amazing. And he came out and he was just happy and spry. And just, I mean, and he re kind of reprised his role, uh, his role. So he was, that was, it's a great, really, really big kind of a, kind of a fan, fan service thing for Back to the Future people. Now, keep in mind that was supposed to happen all this year. This is the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future, um, but we, you know, obviously we got postponed, so that'll go be on Discovery
1: Channel in January. Wow. Looking That's forward right. to that. Yeah. Well, gosh, we've just scratched the surface of what Bud Brotsman has been up to, Bob. We yes. have,
2: and it's been, it's been great. I mean, we started out with one little topic, and it just ballooned. Yep, that
1: happens. Now I get to save 17 more questions that I've already written up. We'll save it for the next time. That'll work. Yeah, there we go. And
0: you guys got to let me know if I have the record for bleeped. If I get the if I get oh, the. Oh, I'll tell
1: you right now. You've got the record. You got it. Hands down. You did no, it. No suspense. No yeah. suspense. I don't even think we have to re I don't think we have to uh, recount. There's no recount involved. I don't no think. recount at all. Nope. No, no, you, no. But I, like, th- I kind of recount. like
0: recounts right now, so you should do the
1: recount. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll 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 do the recount just to make sure. In fact, we'll, when we post-production, yeah, we'll have, we're going to count up all the bleeps. and We'll, and we'll have to put we'll, some drama in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, maybe we'll do that. We'll have a bleep mod, you know, like a bleep count. Like in the yeah. corner of the screen or something like go. that? I think
2: we could
0: You could do the unnecessary bleeping like Jimmy Kimmel. And sometimes when I'm just saying stuff, yeah. you just bleep for no reason.
1: <laughs> we could do that too. See, this is the beauty of post production. You know what I mean? Exactly. Absolutely. Hey, folks, thanks so much for uh, tuning in to, for our podcast here with Bud. Remember to listen, like, and share our uh, podcast, our audio podcast on radio.com, the video podcast will be on, of course, our Two Tire Guys YouTube channel that Bob is pointing to right now. And if you were watching it, Bob, they'd already know because they'd be watching it. Of course. You know, I don't want to be like too Mr. Obvious or anything. Wow. Uh, don't forget to uh, also follow us on social media or on the usual suspects, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Also, uh, if you want to uh, be one of our patrons on our show, Join us, Two Tired Guys Productions, on patreon.com. Until next time, I'm Randy. That's Hot Rod Bob. That's Bud right here from our Talking About Cars podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. So
2: long. Take care, everybody.